welcome once again to Still Love You, Bro. I'm Jess, the straight Christian conservative one, and, uh, and I'm Chris, a gay Buddhist libertarian. We will explore today's issues from opposing viewpoints and sometimes feature guests with incredible or unique stories. Oh, we may say things differently. But in the end, this is Still, still Love, love you, bro. you, Bro. You were really messing me up with these intros. What is this? That's oh, the same one we had last week. You weren't here, so welcome I know. Back. It took me off guard. It did take me off guard. I feel it like does. I've been gone for more than a week, though, honestly. It just feels I think like you've been gone for like two weeks. I guess so, because of all the freaking, uh, what, holidays and job changes and... The holidays thunderstorms and snow and yes, we had snow here in Tennessee. It was beautiful. I was out of work for a long time. It was great. Yeah, I know. I, they literally, I don't. I didn't think I'd ever have a snow day ever since I graduated high school again, but uh, or college, I suppose. Uh, but turns out work has snow days too when you're in Tennessee, which is kind of nice. Sometimes also not kind of nice. I, and it, we actually literally had snow. Like normally there's like two or three flakes in Tennessee shutting down, but we had like seven inches of snow where I live. Yeah, I had I had about five, maybe six inches. And then further north of me got like eight to ten. I was about to say I measured on the back porch. At one point it was like nine, nine and a half. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. And that's it's unheard great. of for, for Tennessee, I suppose. It's been a long time since I remember, but I... I, you know, I'm, I have no problem driving in it, but what I really got a kick out of is going to Facebook and some of these hip groups and watching people, uh, slam the people that were driving there. There was a few people that posted, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm obviously I'm from the North or West, so I can drive in this because I don't panic drive, which most people that aren't born here can drive in snow. Um, does anybody need anything? I'll go get you drinks doing a good thing. Yeah. And people were like, you need to stay off the road and you're the problem. And I'm like, Travel. How dare you? you? If you grow up driving in snow, you know not to panic drive and yeah, you'll seriously. be fine. But people from here were giving these these guys a hard time about... I think because they're jealous probably that they can actually drive in the snow. Maybe. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have moved from colder areas that brought their snow tires with them just in case. Because you know it's what they've grown up with. Yeah. So boom, there you go. You got ice tires that you can drive on the road I was about to say, I've driven in snow two or three times. I don't panic drive. I could care less. I actually drive better in worse I have... weather. I have been the victim of a idiot driver in the snow, though. Um, this was back when I was in high school, and I was a part of a kind of a weather program. And um, it was during this program uh, we had a huge ice storm, and I had to drive up this hill. And I was in, unfortunately behind somebody who decided they were going to, instead of preserving their momentum as they go up this hill, they were going to break going up this hill. Okay. Mm. So they get up the hill, then they break going down as well. And I'm like, I cannot hit my brakes because uh-uh. if I hit my brakes, I'm going to lose traction. I'm going to hit you. So I'm shifting down. I'm shifting. I'm in third gear. They keep slowing down more. I'm in second gear. I'm like, I'm about to hit them. And as soon as I kick it in the first, all of my tires went out, like as far as traction. And then I start spinning down 109, down this big old hill, ended up in some guy's yard, right? So I was okay. Another truck tried to help me out. He got stuck. It took a semi-truck, decided to pull off and hook us up, both of us, and then pull us out of this yard with a semi-truck. Wow. That's how we got out, and then I just proceeded on my way. It was quite interesting. You know, the thing about snow, too, is that it doesn't matter if you have a two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. Moving forward in snow is one thing. I don't care how many wheels you have driving, though. Stopping 
is the problem. And you can have a, a four-wheel drive or a two-wheel drive is not going to help you if you slam on your brakes on a solid sheet of ice. In fact, I've heard that um, front-wheel drive vehicles are actually better for navigating in ice and snow than rear, rear-wheel drive Because all that weight vehicles. right yeah. on the wheels from the motor? Yeah, probably. I can tell you what is not. The last ice storm we got last year, I have a, an Armada, and, and I thought, I'll take that out because it's huge. And, and right. that'll never get stuck. And I went to my mother's house, and I was picking her up to take her somewhere. I made it fine down the hilly driveway. I made it up the hilly driveway, which is solid ice. But in their backyard, in the back driveway, it's like it was it was huge open gravel area that now had ice on it. I got stuck because an Armada is rear-wheel drive. And I was thinking it's big, it's heavy, but that's exactly how it got right. stuck. I was so I was so disappointed because you're pushing those front wheels instead of letting the front wheels pull and steer you around. Dig the yeah. Snow. yeah, so I was so let down. That's why I like our Armada four wheel drive, nice meaty tires on it, then and flinch. But even four wheel drive, I mean, if you if you gun it, if you don't drive properly, yeah, you dig a hole and now you're stuck. Yep. I mean, that four-wheel drive doesn't necessarily always mean I can drive on snow. Bottom line, if yes. you drive without thinking about it and not, you know, making decisions properly, you'll get yep. stuck, you'll get hurt, stuff like that. But so. people don't teach, the like you said, the downshifting. What people tend to do is put on the brakes when they yep. when they go to the hill. I don't know if it's ever taught, and maybe it was in the driver's manual when I was like 15 taking it, but use that downshift. There's a reason that your column has, you know, a drive and then three, two, one on it. Use yep. that. Yep. You can drive in snow. I think people should learn how to drive a manual car. Cause that's how I learned about downshifting. I never thought they're downshifting an automatic car. Then you sit in a manual car and it's like, Oh, gears make sense. There's a reason why you're yes. using the <laughs> slowdown. I, I, first I'm impressed that you can actually drive a manual. I because... can drive three on a tree, four speed, five speed, six speed. Well, your parents did right by you because most kids now will never drive a car. I mean, they don't. Nobody knows how to drive a stick shift now. I've never, on a tree never is once, terrible. never once driven a stick. So you really, either? no, not wow. once. I've, now I've driven a tractor, which is, I guess, part partially a stick. Not really. But it's totally similar different. concept. Similar concept, yeah. but not really. If I can ever convince my stepfather, one day I will bring the Subaru, and you can drive a stick. It's really easy to drive. I'm not going to lie. I'll try. Uh, my how old is he? Eight-year-old brother can drive a stick. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know the whole concept of a clutch. It's not like yeah. I'm brand spanking new, so it's not, I don't think it'll be that hard. I it, just want to see him letting you take a stick shift Subaru to some random <laughs> some random place and let some random guy drive it. It's just a race car. It's not that big of a <laughs> deal. Perfect, yeah. Just a race car. It's take, fine. Take we'll, it, son. We'll put the stock tune on it. It's fine. We don't need all 35 pounds of boost. <laughs> Golly. It's ridiculous. So, it's scary. Chris, do you have anything today? Because I know we really, uh, we need to, like, do we have a format anymore? <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we come and talk. That's what the show is about. We, yeah. we bring topics. Um, Goal achieved. I, I just learned something today. I actually popped up on a news feed that I'd never heard before. And, you know, for those that know us, know we our studio is in the city, which is the hometown of Cracker Barrel Restaurant. And so apparently um, Cracker Barrel has been in a lawsuit uh, and today the jury ordered them to pay a man in Tennessee millions of dollars after he drank chemicals. And it, what? This, yeah, I, I know. How did we not know? So this happened originally in like April of 2014. And, and somewhere at a Cracker Barrel in Tennessee, a guy ordered water. And when they brought him his drink, instead of water, it was a, a cleaning chemical called EcoSan, which is clear. 
Right. Holy crap. I'm sure it smells, but it was it was filled like they filled his glass. I don't know if they filled his glass that's with like, it and gave yeah, it to him, but it was in the glass. That's but, like a mop cleaner or whatever. Yeah. And he drank it. Of course he had a lot of internal problems and you I know, bet. things going forward. Um serious physical injuries to him, burning his mouth and esophagus. Uh and he's still suffering with it. So um the original lawsuit, he sued them for one hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's a that oh no, that's way too low. But the jury we too up, low. We <laughs> uh, <laughs> bing boom bang. But <laughs> but the jury ended up awarding him three point six million and seven hundred and thirty in economic damages. That sounds a lot better. That and does th- that. Think about that though. Seven thirty in economic damages means that's how much his hospital bills have been. Yeah. For treating him, but yeah, because you're not supposed to freaking drink cleaning chemicals. What? Why? How did? That, how do you think that even happened? You know what? I have an idea. Sometimes, sometimes those freaking um, those mop closets and stuff. And I've worked in the food industry a couple times. This is how I know. Um, sometimes they'll have like a mixing thing. So, like, essentially, you can the mop the the faucet is down on the bottom where you'd fill the mop up, but above it is a is a selector. So you can select what you know chemical you want to put in the mop bucket or in or in whatever you're trying to do. So somebody, I guarantee you, just decided I'm going to get water out of the out of this faucet here and didn't realize that it was turned on sani mode for the mop, which you shouldn't be getting water out of the freaking mop faucet mm-hmm. anyway, but yeah. that's what can happen. So that I guarantee you that's how that happened. Um, sure. Now, this in a drinking glass, though, and I panic when I, I drink a lot of Dunkin' Donuts, and if you ever go into Dunkin' Donuts, they rinse their cups out with this stuff. I mean, I'm sorry, they put their spoons in a glass of stuff. And yeah. then when they stir your coffee, they pick the spoon right up and yeah. put it in your drink. So inevitably, there's still some of that on the spoon. Well, when they, And maybe it's non-toxic, think, but it's a cleaning agent. Yeah, but I think what that is, is those things are like constantly flowing water. Constantly no. Flowing, no, is it no, just a little... it's a tub of stuff that the, I'm oh. hoping is just water, but they said it's a cleaning solution that keeps the spoons... It's probably food safe. ...clean. I, I hope. That's I don't know. Food. But I quit ordering anything mixed at, at Dunkin' for that. Here's the here's the reason I'm telling this article. I want to read you this comment, and I want you to give me your opinion on it. Um, the, the News 5, uh, and not the local Nashville News 5, this is another affiliate, reached out to Cracker Barrel to get a comment on this story. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read this is quoted from Cracker Barrel. While we have great respect for the legal process, we are obviously disappointed by and strongly disagree with the jury's award in this case, which involved an unfortunate and isolated incident that occurred at one of our stores eight years ago. Although we are considering our options with respect to this verdict, we are glad this matter is behind us so that we can better focus on caring for our guests and our employees around the country. What did you hear in that answer? No apology. They are disappointed by the award, yeah. which an unfortunate and isolated incident. So I don't care if it was isolated or not. Like a the guy, guy there's the payday. Drink like, yeah. cleaning, cleaning fluid. Right? It just seems so like we wow. don't we don't agree and we're con- we're gonna consider our options. Like that's with this. A, this is a lawsuit that you would see settled out of court really quietly. Sure. But the, they obviously did not want to do that. And the fact that they're alluding to it was eight years ago. I don't care if it was 20 years ago. The dude's probably been dealing with the effects for eight years, probably yeah. for the rest of his life. Esophageal burns cause all kinds of issues with, like, you know, swallowing and muscular, because um, your esophagus is a big old freaking muscle. Yeah. And so it has to function probably to get food down. There's no telling what this guy's been through because of this. Oh, no. It's like drinking bleach. 
But literally, you're I'm drinking on, like a sanitary, sanding, uh, sandy chemical. Yeah, that's what I, I'm on the fence about this answer. But what I love, you're going to love this one. The last part is, um, they asked them what changes were made following this incident, and the response was, "Our policy has been and continues to be to never put chemicals in any unmarked containers." That's fortunate. Oh, so it sounds like. Oh, I see. So you know you know what an M, uh, MSDS is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for those of our listeners that don't know what I'm talking about, uh, the OSHA, uh, the OSHA, sorry, OSHA um, has very, very strict rules about chemicals in a workplace, unmarked, you know, uh, containers, stuff like that, because obviously you don't want to throw a flammable chemical on, on a hot surface, or you don't want to drink a chemical by accident. Like this poor guy apparently did. Um, you have to label things. You have to make them clear. They have to be sealed containers, stuff like that, especially for cleaning chemicals. And there's always supposed to be a MSDS, a material safety data sheet that employees can go look at to see what chemicals they're being exposed to. And it's full disclosure. So it sounds to me like maybe instead of the whole mop theory that I was just talking about, someone had put this cleaning fluid in an unmarked container who knows why they poured this unmarked container into a, uh, you know what it might have been? customer's drinking glass. You know what it might have been? Hmm. I bet you they put some cleaning chemical to, like, maybe pour on something or maybe refill a mop bucket or something in a serving pitcher. And then left it on the counter. Left it on the counter, and then a waiter came, put poured water, what they thought was water, into this guy's glass to refill it, and boom, there you go. That makes a lot of sense. That makes because it's less malicious than the whole. I'm just going to fill this out of the mop faucet because I hate this guy. Yeah, certainly wasn't malicious, but but luckily their policy is to not put chemicals in unmarked container. Well, no kidding. That's that's you shouldn't have to reiterate that. Yeah, that's, luckily. Yeah, didn't I don't know. Work for I just this found guy. that fa- I I never heard of that um, that incident before. So well, also think about it. Think about how much trust you're putting into all these people that you go to every single restaurant that they're not going to do something stupid like that and then scar you for life. Sure. Or kill you, depending on what you drink. You know, that's uh, that's kind of scary. That is kind of scary. That's going to have some bad PR for, ta- for um, um, Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel. I almost said Taco Bell for some reason. Um, because Want some Taco Bell? And they should. They should have bad PR for that because that, you know, that's I, a horrible response. They well, really should have been sympathetic with this guy. The, the, I get it. It's isolated. Accidents absolutely happen. But and probably it wasn't the server that poured it that put it in there. I mean, if if your if your procedure is to, you know, here's the pitcher of water and you pour this into customer glass and take it out. I feel bad for the server because if somebody swapped it out, kind of like a gun set, who checks the gun, who yep. checks the bullets on a yep. gun set, it's probably it wasn't the server's fault. It was a horrible accident. But to say, well, we're disappointed with the outcome of it, or you know, we're, our policy is not changed. We, you know, our policy is not to do that. Well, of course, your policy is not to. Put put chemicals out in a serving line, but it happened. Own it, and you know, take care of this dude. It wasn't his fault. They he didn't walk it. back there and oh, here's some mopping glow. I'm gonna chug and see they what I can some get new, from it. Um, they need a new uh, PR representative, I think, because they really spun that the wrong way. Yeah, I'm I mean, gonna they're follow spinning this. it almost like they're they're like, well, you know, we don't agree with this. Was this is a this wasn't a controversial decision. This wasn't like the Katy Perry v the Christian rapper dude. You know what I'm talking about? Where they said that. She stole his music or yeah. whatever. Because that was like, if you slow it down by exactly, you know, 
uh, half or exactly 0.762% and then pitch it up three keys and then remove this part, it sounds exactly like, yeah, oh, yeah, duh. You know, obviously you can do that with just about anything. What is it like, you know, you're like seven, seven uh, contacts away from everybody on the entire earth or something like that. What was it? Yeah. Something, something like, like that. that. Kind of like that. So that's not one of these cases. This is quite clearly a, a, you know, a, a accidental poisoning by a restaurant chain. And you know what? They should have just owned up to it. I really wish they and honestly no, I'm happy they didn't settle because this guy would have only settled for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Now he's four million and he's got all his medical bills paid. He sure. deserves that. He does not need to struggle. Well, he'll suffer. I mean there's no bit yeah. doubt about it. He'll suffer for the rest of his life. Yep. So um the other last thing I have, this is exciting news for some of our listeners. A lab has been testing different compounds against COVID to find out if any thing has a reaction to it or right. how it works. And luckily, they have found that there are um, there are compounds in cannabinoids, can, cannabinoids or cannabis, um, which bond to COVID and keep it from infecting human cells. Oh, and they demonstrated this in a lab multiple times. Um, and they've they've started publishing this, but there's there's two two pieces of um, cannab- cannabinoids that that are designed that just bond to the edges of COVID and kind of block it from infecting you. Wow. Um, so maybe instead of vaccine mandates, they'll make sure that we all smoke a zig before we go into work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see now these stores and especially in Colorado selling you know COVID brownies. Oh, or, wow. Or That's something. funny. I mean, think about that. If they're finding. Wow. So then I go back and start thinking of all the people that I know that got COVID. Do any of them partake in smoking marijuana? And I can't remember anybody that I know that had COVID that I that I know maybe partakes in a little, you know, Mary Jane. So, I wonder if we look at the COVID rates in Colorado, if they're any different. It'd be interesting to see we because to, if it yeah. works in a lab, it should work in real life. Yeah, I mean, just that's like literally what they did, just like the coronavirus did. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's that's what scientists do, right? They they try it in the lab and then test it. So maybe the government now will ship everybody some you know cannabinoids. That would be hilarious. You smoke this, you eat this, and tell me if you get COVID. That is something I could see. That's too easy. Behind. That yeah. is too easy and too cheap. You know, that's why we've been focusing on vaccines this whole time because they're not cheap. They're really expensive to produce. People make money off of. Them. Make a lot of money. Yep. And we're not focusing on therapeutics. We're not focusing on simple things. You know, uh, the whole um, uh, the freaking um, antiviral medication. I can't remember what it's called. Um, that Trump Rindesivir. was pushing. Rindesivir was one of them. Um, hydroxychloroquine was the other one. Yeah. Uh, ivermectin was one. You know, there's all kinds of different really cheap medications that apparently are extremely successful in treating symptomatic COVID that we're are getting pushed under the bus because oh, we all got to get vaccinated. Sure. Um, the the interesting thing too that I would like to know, um, obviously, you know, cannabis has a lot of medicinal properties for a lot of things. I, I know in states where uh, where it's legal um, and people use it, I mean, what is the eye eye disease that everybody's like, oh, I have um, a glaucoma or whatever. You know, it's, right, it's kind yeah, of been yeah. a stereotypical mm-hmm. joke. But the reality is, I know a lot of people who've had cancer that didn't suffer and actually fared very well. Um, from from smoking marijuana, so mm-hmm. there's we've definitely have known. I think as a as a community that there is there is science around the medicinal qualities of cannabis. Oh, I agree with you completely. And, you know, you know the fact that it it could keep 
COVID from infecting your cells would, would be great. So we'll all just, you know, get high and have COVID parties. <laughs> COVID parties. That's one thing that I've always kind of differed on, you know, a lot of conservatives from is I really don't, I don't really care that much about legalization of marijuana. You know, maybe it's just my generation doesn't really bother me that much to think about if marijuana is legal. You know, honestly, it kind of feels to me the same as how they just legalized sports betting in, in Tennessee recently. Uh, because that uh, no, has annoyed the crap out of me. The because, radio ads because, all the time. Yeah, exactly. Every time I tune somewhere, it's the freaking stupid, the stupidest ad campaign I've ever heard for freaking Caesar, the Caesar app, this this sarcastic Caesar guy. Oh, uh, I invented Caesar salad, and, and uh, that, that was the best thing I ever did. But now i got an app, and this app, oh, it's so great. And for the people, uh, no, 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 I hate it. Stop. Get off my radio. Tired of listening to it. I feel like marijuana being legal would be like that to me because I would probably get tired of smelling it, probably get tired of seeing people or like people smoking it in, in the room with me or whatever. And I was about to say, I hate yeah, the smell. I get annoyed more than anything, but I don't think it's wrong. You know, it, it, whatever. If you want to do that, it's, you do it's you. less harmful than freaking alcohol. So what's the deal with and that? And cigarettes. Let's, 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 if we want to ban something that causes people harm and causes lots of deaths, we need to go back to prohibition because drunk driving and alcoholism and, and I mean, holy crap, man. Alcohol probably kills more people than firearms do every year. And, yeah, well, that's my point stupidity on stupidity kills a lot of people, too. You can't ban yeah, stupid. That is true. That is very true. Driving, cars, yeah, we can't ban those. Yeah. Anyway, did you like my impression of the Caesar Sportsbook app? I felt like I just heard the we are <laughs> not sponsored all over uh, again. We're not sponsored. The new by the Caesar way. Sportsbook app has got live in-game betting, parlays, and Caesar rewards. Oh gosh. Never again. I never want to hear them this podcast. I, it again. sucks, man. <laughs> I hate him. That's the biggest thing. It's like, you know, why is this I've always questioned this in Tennessee. Why the heck is why are lotteries legal in states that don't have gambling legalized for the people? So because the, it makes money. The, the, yeah, so the state can open up, you know, a gambling thing that has probably the worse odds than going to Caesar's Palace in Vegas. Um and that's okay, but the people can't open up, you know, gambling houses that you know the state gets to make all the money off of it. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty dumb. Did I don't know if I've ever told you the story about my gambling time. Um I'm not a gambler. I'm I'm very conservative. I like I'm a saver. Um and my dad, years ago before he died, he called me. He got one of those things where um, one of the, um, the the hotels in Tunica was like, hey, you know, come, we'll give you a free hotel. Right. You come and gamble. We'll give you, you know, free drinks and all that. And he called me. He's like, son, you, you want to go to the casino with me? I'm like, mm. well, not really. I mean, I want to go with you, but I, I'm not a gambler. He right. said, no, it's really fun. It's really exciting. You should go. I mean, they've given us free hotel rooms and all that. It's free drinks. So I'm in. And um, so he told me the night before, he's like, you know, so what are you going to bring? I said, well, I'm just, you know, bring two, three pairs of clothes and, mm. you know, my iPod and that's it. He's like, no, you got to, you know, bring, bring some money. You got to gamble. You got to experience that. I've never been to a casino. Right. And, um, he's like, I was like, dad, how much should I bring? He said, well, only bring as much. This is, you know, the, the wise advice, only bring as much as you're comfortable losing. Yep. I thought, well, that's, that's good advice, dad. So the next morning I show up at his house with $20 in my pocket <laughs> and he's like, you're going to be popping some tags. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm only going to lose $20. I'm not a gambler. So we get there and he ends up like, you know, giving me some to play on. And 
I sat there and my joy of gambling was watching all the other people sit and like put the money in these machines yeah. and play it and like their eyes understand. rolling yeah. around like the thing. I'm not a gambler. I lost at 20. Now, obviously, you know, I'd put five in and every once in a while I'd win 10. I was yeah. up and down a little bit, but I, I was not going to walk away a millionaire. I was not going to hit anything. And I, I lost the $20 over the course of a couple hours and that was it. I cut myself off because I'm not going to lose. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give away 20 more dollars yeah. to somebody. I did like that. I mean, I obviously drank more than $20 worth of drinks, but um, <laughs> you got your money's worth. Huh? I, enjoyed, got his money's worth. I enjoyed watching all the other people just, you know, zombified dumping money and money in that thing. Yeah. And I learned since then, like I'm definitely, I tried, I'm not a gambler, never been in a casino since I don't play the lottery. Uh, I haven't bought a scratch off ticket. I think one time when I was in a gas station, somebody made me buy one because it was so fun. Scratched it off, you know, lost my dollar. But that's it. I'm I'm just not a gambler. Now yeah. I know somebody who went in a gas station and you know scratched off and they won several hundred thousand dollars. I don't. I'm not that lucky, and I'm mm-hmm. not gonna. You know they've probably spent hundreds of dollars on it before. I could do a lot with a hundred dollars. It's not scratching off right. tickets. And I'm kind of similar to you. Is I've never really had that. Well, I say that I have kind of. My big thing would be cards. I would want to go play. You know blackjack. I'd want to go play um, poker. Is you know big the, things. I like I like strategy type. I don't want to just throw money in a machine and hope that I, I hit a good luck, you know, like a, a good number or something. You know, that's that's not me. I almost did buy a Powerball ticket, you know, a couple weeks ago because the jackpot was up to like, what, three, uh, 38 million or something like that. You know why it's up 38 million? Because everyone keeps because losing. Because keeps losing <laughs> exactly. and buying. Yeah. But, you know, and that's, but, you know, it keeps scraping my mind. I'm like, you know, well, if I never buy it, my chances are as absolute zero. Why don't I just, you know, buy one? My first lottery ticket. Guarantee you, it would be winning the Powerball, but I, I never know. It'd be nice. It'd be we really talked nice. about. We talked about how I don't have a poker face today. There's no way I could do it. What do you mean you don't have a poker? face? I don't face? have a poker. I can't lie. I can't sit. Can't and, lie. Can't so you lie. couldn't play the the card games. Couldn't. What you're saying? Ah, come on. We need to have like a still love your bro poker night or something. He can't because when he sits around, he's got this like grin on his face. I'm like, there's no way he could lie because he'd start grinning. See, yeah. the, he did. My problem is, as I like to play poker, but I don't know anybody else that likes to play poker. So it's like. You know, I'm not going to just step into some, you know, smoky bar and, you know, try to join a random poker game. And that's not going to happen. I'm just <laughs> kind of guy. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, what, so what do you have for us today? I really didn't bring anything in specific. You just um, brought yourself. You've yeah. You've been absent. So I, I guess that's kind of important. Progress. Um, I guess the big thing in the news is obviously inflation. Um, the uh, This is an article I found from The Guardian. Um U.S. inflation rate has risen to 6.8%, which is the highest it's been since the 1980s um, and the financial crisis, obviously, back then and in, in the 2000s, stuff like that. So super high inflation rate um, in, it, you know, 40 years. It's been almost 40 Compare years. Compare Where was it was two years ago? What was the percentage? Give us some scale to understand this. Let me see. So it says... I'm trying to find because I was I wasn't prepared for that question. If you want me to be honest with you, well, you know I'm going to um, ask. I know I just didn't. I, I'm not a financial guru, so I, I ask questions like that because I want to know the scope. So I mean, six percent doesn't sound high to me. Somebody that's not in the know. So if you say that it Let was point five, Grant, you're looking up the inflation. Let's look up the inflation uh, 2019 or something. I don't remember my phone shut off. Oh, that's right. <laughs> um, okay, inflation 2019. Let's see about that. But, you know, my, my big thing is, um, okay, so in 2018, sorry, I accidentally typed in eight, the inflation was 
2.4%. So three times. Yeah. Okay. So that gives us a scale let's, to understand this. Let's do, let's do 2020 because obviously, you know, COVID, right? Uh, in 2020, the annual inflation rate was 1.4%. So it went down in 2020? Yes. Uh, thanks to uh, your favorite president ever. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But- Partially, yes, due to him. Did Obama um, bring it down that much? In 2020? Uh, or in Obama, <laughs> let's see. So he was 2014, like 2012 kind of yeah. time period. Uh, in 2011, it was 3%. 2012, 1.7. 2013, 1.5. So it's fluctuated. I mean, it fluctuated over the last several yeah. years, but now it's lowest. Up to six. The lowest it's been... Uh, appears as far as annual rate has been in 2015, at least in this time scale that I've seen, which was 0.7%. 2016, it went to 2.1. 2017, 2.1. Um, 2018, 1.9. 2019, 2.3. 1.4 in 2020. So it was getting better. And then... Um, COVID the, happened. COVID happened already. I'm sorry, Delta uh, Omicron happened. Well, there's not been much change, I don't think. There's been a lot change. No, there's not. You can go back to work after five days. Well, that is true. But how, is that, how does that com- contribute to inflation? Well, because when it first came out, it was this new scary variant that got everybody back in a panic. And I know this because I stopped being able to buy cream cheese. And the, I think that people are starting to get into a panic again because I can't buy cream cheese my grocery has been out of paper plates and forks and spoons. They've been out of staple items that right. haven't been seen since the first issuance of COVID. So I feel like Omicron led people to down that scary road of here's something unknown again. Let's start panic buying. I don't know. I, I feel like I didn't feel like Omicron had the negative messaging that like the Delta variant had. You know, I feel like that had worse messaging than than o- Omicron because. Omicron, honestly, the initial stuff coming out of it that I saw was that it was not going to be nearly as deadly as Delta. But that wasn't put out at first. It was, we're tracking, I think South Africa said, we're tracking this new variant that is spreading rapidly. And they and, didn't have a lot But they did put out studies. initial reports about it and that it was not, that they hadn't had any deaths. They just had a bunch of infections. Sure. So Maybe I don't know. Just waiting. But regardless, I mean, and, and that I'm sure has been seen different ways in different newscasts because some of the, the messaging that I saw and the places that I get news. And this is a good example of how vastly different news sources are. When I first learned about Omicron, the messaging was, this is a new variant we're seeing in South Africa. It it spreads quickly. We don't have data on how deadly it is because a lot of people were getting it, but they hadn't died yet. Now that time's gone on, it's, well, we're seeing that it's, you know, it's definitely higher transmissible, but it's causing less severe disease. But at and that's first, a great thing. It is. Because people, more people will get it and survive and therefore develop a natural immunity to it. Sure. And that is the the other reports are saying that that's kind of the means to the end as far as, you know, virulence yeah. go. But, the, you know, the point is you saw in the, your news sources a, a kind of a different messaging about it, which is— I guess that you're right. Yeah. I think that's how, how news sources really vary, and I think that's a lot of how— Facebook and whatnot knows us and presents us. My news stories are presented to me because it knows the things that I like and click on. That's mm-hmm. how much the internet knows about you because it knows that, you know, the difference, obviously everybody's talked about a, you know, a new toy and then all of a sudden Facebook showing them ads yep. for a similar thing. So I think that you're being presented with news in a different fashion. I haven't actually been on Facebook in a while. Um, 
So I don't typically get my news from that. I get my news from radio most of the time, um, which you know what station I'm talking about. Uh, good old 99.7 WTN. Which I listen to. Yeah, and I, I love that station. I want to be However, honest. I ain't listened to radio in a very long time. Well, you should jump back in. While. It's fun. Um, I just use but yeah, you're, YouTube your point, music streaming. You know, I think the digital world. The biggest thing I think really is, you know, we we can. I, I don't want to just jump in and blame COVID for this because I don't think that's the only factor. Sure, you've got a lot of economic issues that are not because of COVID. Um, for example, um, student debt has been once again suspended. Um, and if you think about it like this, that is essentially like pumping money into the economy. We've, by the way, that's what one of the first things that my administration did: pump more money into the economy, give out, give out, expand the unemployment benefits of related to COVID. They they continue to push more money into the economy that way, and then obviously, like I said, suspending student debt further. It was supposed to be January, actually before that. I think it was supposed to be, um, uh, like uh, December. Was it December? November? I think it was November. It was supposed to end in November something. Then it got pushed back again, and now they're pushing it back even further. Um, you know, I was expecting to start payments again uh, in January. But, I mean, we're talking that's, – that's a lot of money for me that I would lose every month. I'm not, I'm not saying I couldn't survive, but think about that on a massive scale. You're paying a bunch of students not to pay their student loan debt, essentially, is what's happening. Sure. And that's adding money that was not there. It's artificially inflating how much money is in the economy. And that's a policy decision by Joe Biden or whoever is making those decisions. Um, you've got the obviously the interest rate thing, where interest rates are still record lows, and the FTC has decided to continue to keep it low until they're realizing their terrible mistake. Now, like I said, I took advantage of the low interest rates to buy a house, which was fantastic. But I wouldn't have been able to do it had the interest rates been that low. What interest rate if, did you get? Out of curiosity, what is oh, it? What is it at? Now? It was in the twos, low twos. Okay, so that's pretty good. Yeah, that's really good. I refinanced and, when well, I think I had a four, and I refinanced at three, mm-hmm. and I did not know they've went down that low. Actually, I, you know, I don't even know if it was in the high ones or something, but it was really, really, really low. Wow. And I, I mean that that's the thing that allowed me to get this this mortgage. Now, do I like having a house? Uh, heck yeah, I do. But. I'm saying, do I like not paying my student loans on, on a certain level? Yes. I still, th- I almost, I was talking to my wife. I was like, maybe I should start going ahead and paying towards it. Cause I, you know, but then I'm thinking, well, here's the gamble. We've still got three more years with this president and yeah, about three, maybe something like that. Yeah, less, a little less than that. Three more years with this president. And I don't know if they're going to just completely suspend student loans or not. So all that I pay into it from here on out could just be it just disappears right and i am i i'm at a disadvantage from everybody else if i start paying towards it like it's because i'm i'd be i'd be doing great to pay towards it because i'm lowering the amount of interest i'm going to pay towards my student loans um i probably could have paid them off by now but it's suspended meaning you're not paying it but it's not going away no they've been talking about student debt cancellation and that's why and i don't I don't think that's a good thing at all. I think that's a bad thing because, like I said, that's just, boom, money in everybody's pocket, right? I, you know, $50,000 in debt, boom, there's $50,000. You think that, that ha- uh, handing out everyone $1,200 checks, what was the last stimulus check? Like, like it's 1200 bucks per adult and then an extra 600 per child yeah. or something like that. Can you imagine doing that but 50 
$1,000, $100,000 for some people, that would drive inflation absolutely through the roof. That would crash the U.S. economy because guess what? These lenders, although they're through the federal government, that's still pushing a ton of money that people didn't have before. You know, yeah, it's not actual money in their pockets, but it's a spending a lot of debt. Everyone's net worth all of a sudden jumps up really freaking high. And this is not the only thing that the Biden administration is considering doing or has done that has contributed super negatively to the U.S. economy and to the well-being of the United States in general. I mean, this the, he's making like Jimmy Carter level mistakes. I mean, it's horrible. Uh, this is an ugly presidency, and and it's reflecting in his numbers, um, honestly. And it just, I can't believe inflation is almost reaching seven percent now. Yeah, and that's it's horrible. Now that I know the scale, that's that's pretty high. Yeah, I mean, think about it. it, it he's he's taken a year. It's January now, and it's 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 almost what at the end of the Trump presidency it was two point something percent, and now it has gone up. What would that be? Almost threefold. threefold. So, would you say that it's directly related to the money that has been in the COVID relief bills? I mean, that's a big portion of it. I think sure. it's. I think the bigger portion is the the unemployment checks. That are that are have been increased, and they've continued to allow that to happen. Even though I'll be honest with you, and no, I don't believe that there's still people struggling trying to find a job at all. We have a surplus of jobs in this in this economy yes, right very now. Very much so. There's and they, we're having trouble finding people to work, and it's because they've extended those COVID benefits for so long, and and kept the unemployment caps or the unemployment percentage increase so high for so long that people don't need jobs to live. People don't need that's people should have to be have to work to live. That's how it should be until you get disabled or you get old and you retire. You know, if you have a disability, I, I think it's fine for you not to have to work. We live in a, in a society that is wealthy enough that we can take care of those people that can't take care of themselves. But if you can take care of yourself, you need to take care of yourself. See, right? I'd yeah. say it, it's difficult to find. See, we're in an economy where there's plenty of jobs. There's not enough people to work them. But I've been looking for a job for a while now. And even simple work. See, I haven't, I haven't put in at fast food just because I refuse personally to do that. I've put in at restaurants, but not fast food. And can't I've put in at three or four different restaurants around our area. Ain't heard nothing back. Uh, gyms like uh, Planet Fitness, I put in there. They're open 24 hours a day. It shouldn't be too difficult for a teenager to get a job there at night. That's been a week ago, two weeks ago. See, and it, this is the strange thing is, you know, and, I, and I'm not, I don't want to use it as, as an example, Grant, but, no, you, can. you know, you, you are able to, and this is the job I can win. You're able to pick and choose. I don't want to work in this industry, so I'm not going to apply for this industry, right? I don't want a job. A few years ago, yeah. when you needed a job, you had to take what you yep. got. You, you yeah. applied for restaurants, fast food places, stuff like that. In high school, I worked for McDonald's. But on the flip you know, side, and I saw somebody talking about this on, on the internet um, in a Facebook group, but um, the jobs that are available, they're talking about nobody wants to work in, in these restaurants, and but they don't want to work because they're not going to get paid what they now feel they're worth. Because their worth is now based on how much they can get under unemployment, but yep. the reality is, yep, you're if right you about that. if you decided that, um, hey, you know, is is it worth shutting down my business or paying people much more money? 
it's cheaper to shut down a business now than to pay somebody, you know, $15, $20 an hour to work in a restaurant. Yep. But as soon as you do that, everybody's going to be happy because that deli stays open, but they're paying their employees now because you demanded, you know, if employees ought to, you know, be paid what they're worth. So now you're paying all your employees $15 an hour, $20 an hour. Prices the go price up. of that deli sandwich goes up, and now yep. those same people are like, "Well, but golly, I can't afford to eat there now because their sandwiches are That's so high." That's inflation. If and you want somebody to work, you got to be able to pay the cost of the goods that those higher-paid employees are going to produce for you. Here's what I think is going on, honestly, behind the scenes: the Democrats in Congress and in the House they have given up on whole raising minimum wage stick. Right? They still want to do what they what they what they want to do and I'm not going to even comment on what that motivation might be um perhaps just power but the $15 an hour minimum wage was now no it's not going to stick it's stuck in some places some businesses adopted it but most of the places are not going to do it and they're not going to pass it in congress so what has happened now is they've just supplanted that idea with something that's invisible they have they have taken these unemployment benefits and pushed their value so much Private businesses have to compete with the federal government who has unlimited money for their employees. I mean, think about it. Think about it like someone on unemployment is someone who is employed by the federal government to do nothing or to to be exist, right? And yeah, that's a little bit offensive. I'm sorry. But that's basically what it is for these people that who can work, who aren't disabled, but are on unemployment, COVID unemployment, because they can't be. Um, they got laid off and never returned to work. Right. They just and that's what people are stuck in. You know, they're stuck with that decision. And I you know what? I'm kind of sympathetic. They're stuck with the decision of I got laid off. Now I'm getting paid good money because I got laid off. Do I want to go back to work and make 15 an hour? Do I want to go back to work and make 10 and 10 an hour? My wife was interviewing somebody for uh, uh, the uh, position she works or a position at her job. And um, the guy, you know, he's acted interested in it this whole time. And she and he said, well, what does it pay? And she goes, we typically pay about 8 to 10 an hour. Stood up and left. He didn't want to make 8 to $10 an hour. This is this is a high school kid. I was about to say, I'm okay with 8 to 10 an hour. When I was in high school, I was getting paid seven twenty five. Yeah. And when I was in college, I was getting paid six seventy five. I was getting paid less than minimum wage because I was a, not a fast foot person or whatever. And that was just how it was. But now high schoolers are turning away jobs that they want. They, they, the dude's going to get the job. Like it's just a, an interview for an interview, right? Turning away ten bucks an hour because they get. Why? Why would they want to do that if they, you know, if they can go to Chick Fil A and make fifteen? I guess I understand that, but sure. they're going to work a whole lot more than what they were doing to this one. Maybe. Um, you know, I don't know. It's it's quite complicated. the the whole The whole idea behind what I was saying is the. Private businesses should not have to compete with the federal government for employees with with for paying them to do absolutely nothing. Because think about it. Who's it going to hurt the most? It's not going to hurt Walmart. It's not going to hurt Chick-fil-A. It's not going to hurt, you know, Costco, big realtors, um, big gigantic companies that, you know, the a lot of uh, these liberal, liberal voters say they're against big crony capitalists, stuff like that. Those are the people that are benefiting from all these policies. The big government, you know, Buddies, you know, the ones that pay tons of money towards certain campaigns. They love it when small businesses, like you're saying, Chris, have to either close down or raise their prices to terrible, unsellable levels in order to keep their business or just decide, you know what, we're going to close because we can't afford it. How many small businesses have you seen close around here lately? Yeah, a lot. A lot. But Walmart's open, but, you know, uh, gas stations 
all those are open. Big box stores are open. Bars are open. I was you know, say, just here in Lebanon, uh, Sunset Family Restaurant that has been a staple yes, in Lebanon I was so forever. Upset. They just tore the building down. I was so upset. They sold, yeah, because they 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 couldn't they couldn't handle it. They couldn't they didn't have any employees and they couldn't pay them enough. And it just it's horrible because guess what's happening now? We are taking this huge part of the economy that was small businesses that locally locally spent money. The money that gets paid there is spent locally. It grows smaller areas. It grows uh, American culture. You know these staples that have been there for. For tens of years, hundreds of years, some of them, and they're gone now because they can't compete with big Walmart paying everybody fifteen, Chick Fil A paying everybody fifteen. Some companies paying even more than that, some, you know. And and they're those companies don't hurt because they pass the prices right back to consumer through inflation. Well, something that I've realized is in Watertown, which is a small town. I mean, compared to. Lebanon. Lebanon, I used to think, was a small town. It ain't a small town anymore. Watertown, which is a true-to-its small town, the most franchised thing there is Dollar General. Yep. And there's a Dollar General everywhere, yep. so might as well be one in Watertown. I'm sure they pay 15 or more. You know, well, uh, there, there, There's some some places are paying for freaking college well, for the, these people. The biggest issue now is there's uh, been a proposal put in for just outside of Watertown, a Sonic. And it doesn't sa- I say that like it's a big deal it's a sonic but when you think about watertown and fast food coming to it if you've ever been in watertown you know what i mean yeah local businesses it there. means it's going to start turning to where local businesses can't find higher it's like a nona lisa's pizza ria it's a really good pizza place yeah. in downtown watertown which watertown doesn't have much downtown and you're right about that grant it's not even about you know, sonic putting them out of business with their food or their service it doesn't even it's matter the service can suck but if they're sup, uh, sapping away all the employees from these places, they'll close. Because it's like Nona Lisa's, if I know correctly, they they pay minimum wage. A little bit over minimum wage, but minimum wage. So $8 an hour. And they struggle to hire kids. And, well, high schoolers, not kids. But yeah. Kids, nonetheless, they struggle to find people to hire because a high schooler is like, well, I can drive 15 minutes in the Lebanon and get paid like you said, fifteen yep. bucks by Chick Fil A. So why am I going to work at this little pizza shop for eight bucks an hour, where the hours are long, and in some of their opinions, the owner is not that nice. So why am I going to work for an owner I don't like? Yep. For minimum wage in a town where I can drive fifteen minutes down the road and get paid fifteen dollars an hour. And I've never understood the whole minimum wage hike argument because you know it's the same problem but in a different skin. You know what? It, people that say, "Oh, I deserve fifteen dollars an hour." Well, you know what? At this point, you do because there's so many freaking there's not there's so many jobs open and people are competing by paying more. But back in you know ten or ten five years ago, when everyone was you know the fight for fifteen, you don't work at a fast food restaurant all your life. You don't work in an entry level position all your life because that's not how it's meant to be. Entry level jobs should have entry level pay. That's yep. what I've always heard. Yep. If you're going to work at a fast food restaurant, you should be paid like you work at a fast food restaurant because it's up to you what you do to work where you want to work. I could go if it was where pay was normal. If I chose to go work at McDonald's for 7.25 an hour, that's the decision I'm making. If I choose to apply myself and get certifications or get education, get training and go to somewhere that would pay 
let me go find a technology job and get paid 15 bucks an hour, then I've done something that is worth the money. Yep. And but the same amount of pay at a fast food restaurant for working actual physical labor is honestly ridiculous in my opinion. You know, it, it just, I don't know. We could talk about this all day. It, it blows my mind. But you know what? Thankfully, I think finally a lot of people are waking up to this stupidity. And that's what I'm going to call it. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing complex about the ideas we've talked about today as far as inflation, as far as how this economy works. More people are seeming to, everyday people are seeming to understand these things. And it's showing in poll numbers. This, this president's not very popular. Uh, his vice president's not very popular. Democrats in general are not very popular right now. And, um, you know, I hope that our listeners, if you have voted Democrat in the past, I hope you look at what um, this has become what policies they've put in place and the effects they've had on the economy. And I'm not saying Republicans are perfect. In fact, I don't like most of the Republicans in Congress because they're they're corrupt just as much as a lot of these, you know, establishment Democrats are. But take note this time. It's important for everyone to vote this ideology, this this way of living out of Congress this this round. We cannot sit here and say that this is okay, this is the America we want to have. We can't have constant inflation. That's how a country dies. I mean, look at look at, you know, Zimbabwe. You know, my, my wife brought home something she got for Christmas. It was a Zimbabwean do- uh, dollar that was worth one hundred trillion Zimbabwean dollars. One hundred trillion you know why? Their inflation got so bad they started minting one hundred trillion dollar bills. $100 trillion bills. You, you remember this whole con- concept that came out, you know, I think it was several months ago where they, the Fed was talking about minting a $1 trillion coin? That does not go well. That's on a path we want to go down. Could you imagine walking around with $1 trillion in your pocket? It's symbolic more than anything. It's just, yeah, oh, but- we we pay off all our debts with this $1 trillion coin. Ah, ah, here you go. You know, yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and that's how, that's how stuff breaks. That's how countries go downhill. And unless we reverse it in this election cycle, I really am afraid that we're not going to be able to get out of it. Um, but we can dig ourselves out. Yeah. I feel like that there's been enough, um, uh, I guess, regret for this presidency um, that I think that, that they're going to put a message. You know, we were talking about something before the podcast um, that I wanted to do. Um, and uh, Chris, whenever you get finished, um, are you are you Just audio mixing? Audio. Yeah. Uh, that's what I figured. Um, so I heard some whispers that um, perhaps Hillary Clinton is going to be supplanting Joe Biden as the person running for president um, in the next term. So Joe Biden, we've heard that he wants to run again. He said that he's running again, but um, as you can, as we just discussed, his poll numbers are horrible. Uh, so, I don't think he could pull it off again. No, I don't, and I don't think I think the Democrats know that, and I think they don't want him to run because, uh, according to polls, if if it was if we ran the twenty twenty election again, Donald Trump would win by a landslide, just because of his um, of, of Biden's unpopularity right now. Uh, so. They don't want that to happen. I think I think it would be the the most hilarious slap in the face I've ever seen if Donald Trump comes back and wins his second term. <laughs> but you know what? I don't think that's going to well, happen. See, a part of me is like, is Hillary actually going to be worse than Biden? Why does and it 
honestly kind of surprises me to say this, but why does Hillary sound like it could be better than Biden? And people are going to probably rip me up the fence over that. But You know, I, you say that, and I'm honestly, I don't object that much to that. Because, I, I mean, mean he, what do you think, Chris? I mean, you know. Um, you know, I have, um, I, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think that a, a first woman president would probably be good for this country. Um, you know, do I think it would be Hillary? Yeah, you know, no. Um, you think she took a blow in the 2016 I do, but compared election. to Biden, maybe, uh, and, and maybe because I think maybe her mind is a little bit more sharp. I, I, I like <laughs> You know, I liked Joe when he was running. I liked Joe, but it, it just here lately it seems that it's all over. Yeah. I'm not getting it's almost like he's got messaging. dementia. I'm All, not, almost. I'm not seeing consistent it's almost, messaging. It's almost like someone talked about that at the beginning. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I agree with you. And you know, it's because I think he's being run from from behind. You know, Joe is not the one making decisions. He's not the one actually running this country. He's got a lot of advisors that are writing his speeches out on teleprompters and sticking them out there, you know? And, and sometimes we can see that when Joe Biden freaking reads, um, you know, what was it? He read a freaking direction. He read a stage direction out loud. I can't remember what it was. It yeah. was like some picking out some certain news reporter or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It the, was like it was a uh, note card, and they were like, yeah. uh, now we're going to go to talking to the reporters, and they gave me a card of who to. No, I'm talking for. about that was after, or that was before. This was more recent, and he was, was reading it. He was re- oh, there's been so many. I know, he was reading a teleprompter, and it says something along the lines of like, um, uh, uh, "Raise hand" or something like that. He read that out loud. Raise hand. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. To borrow his phrase, there it is. Freshmen that can do better job reading stage directions than that. Yeah. I wonder. Do you think or how much do you think directions? Kamala is involved in that administration? That's a good question. Although I, I have, don't see her much. No, I've I've heard that she's got her own problems. I've heard that there's been a lot of people quit her staff because of a toxic work environment. Um, and unbelievable. I, I could see that. I don't think anyone really. I think Kamala is less popular than Biden right now, as far as poll numbers. So she's not the pick to replace Joe Biden. I can tell you that right now. I'd give anything if it was Barack Obama running again. Honestly, he wasn't that so bad great. when I think about it. Comparison? Oh, yeah. I don't think Barack Obama was anywhere near as bad as Joe Biden. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but he can't, unfortunately. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I would Is obviously that law? vote. I know it's not. Yes. It's law it now. It is law now. Oh, it, yeah. it wasn't originally. But we never talk about that in history. Now. We don't talk um, about stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it is constitutional now. So it, it has been ever since, uh, who was it? Was it FDR? I believe, I believe that's yeah. so. Okay. Um, it they, was. They, they did constitutionalize I remember hearing that. it. Um, so, well, that, which is, I guess is a good thing, right? You don't want a freaking dictator. You know, six-term dictator, you know. You know what, though? If it's a fair and open election and somebody gets elected for five, six, seven terms because of their merit, then that's one thing. Well, you know— the fair and fair and you know <laughs> election fair elections is a whole other you know ball game we could go fair down, as long as everyone voting is alive. Here's here's the thing that and we're jumping off topic now because this is a good segue uh, and this is something I've also seen in the news. Um, Biden went out. I don't know where he's speaking at. But he was speaking somewhere and he had this huge uh, message. Uh, the the latest Democrat message from from the president's desk is that. Um, the 
federal government needs to pass a law that will federalize election regulations um, in a way similar to the uh, the nineteen oh, is it the is it the sixties the nineteen sixties sixty four sixty three civil rights or civil or voting act or something like that essentially a little bit of you know probably wrong history but I'll tell you a little bit of what I know um, back in the nineteen sixties obviously you still had Jim Crow crap going on in the South. And so they passed a law that basically said before uh, Southern governments uh, change voting laws, they have to go through the federal government and get approval Uh, because, you know, obviously back then racism was a thing and it was an institutionalized thing. So um, they had laws on the books that were actively racist trying to prevent black people from voting. Uh, There was a there was a Supreme Court case. Um, more recently, I think it was in the 2008 or something like that, where um, I think it was uh, uh, Alabama. Alabama was trying to move several polling places. Um, across, one of them was across the street. It was from a church to like a post office. And they were trying to move these polling places. Well, the federal government stepped in and said, no, uh, you have to come and get approval from us before you do that. Uh, and they were like, What? They took it all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, no, uh, this Alabama of this age is not the same as 1960s Alabama. They don't have laws on the books that are actively trying to prevent people from voting, and so, therefore, you can't enforce this 1960s uh, Voting Rights Act anymore. And they they didn't really strike it down, but they basically made it not enforceable. So now the Democrats are wanting to create a new um, Voting Rights Act that will— uh, uh, basically have the federal government be the final say on any decisions related to um, uh, state elections, um, state, I guess, even local elections, uh, part of election commissions in those in, in most states. The problem is, is it's going to be selectively used. I'm sure similar to the 1960s Civil Rights Act was in the 2000s uh, in the case with Alabama. So he came out with a speech and he basically said that st- states like Georgia are uh, implementing Jim Crow 2.0, were the words that he used, Jim Crow 2.0, um, by changing the way their voting laws work. Um, did you guys have any comment on, do you know anything about any of those voting laws that are going on? Or No, I no? actually I don't. Yeah, it's interesting. So first of all, I'll say this. Um, Joe Biden's own home state of Delaware does not have any early voting. Um, and, uh, the, the talking point they've been talking about is that I believe it's Georgia, uh, Georgia's voting laws are Jim Crow 2.0 because they have changed the amount of early voting days. Uh, and they have, uh, I think changed some polling hours or something like that. Uh, and obviously they have voter ID, which is automatically racist. Um, if some people, (laughs) anyway, uh, so Jim Crow 2.0. Uh, can we just sit here and dissect the whole idea of um, changing the time period uh, you are allowed to vote, everyone is allowed to vote, uh, and calling that Jim Crow versus what Jim Crow actually was when it existed? I mean, are we? Am I the only one on this podcast? <laughs> uh, we're we're listening. You're 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 going. Forward, I'm on a roll. So I mean, okay. Jim Crow obviously was laws on the books that were selectively targeting black people and preventing them from voting. 
you had laws that said black people can't go to the same school as white people. Laws that said you have to walk or you have to drink out of a separate water fountain. Laws that uh, prevented black people from running for public offices. Uh, litmus tests that you had to take before you voted that were selectively enforced to only black people. Um, you This was back in the time period where you had people standing outside of schools during during integration with clubs and bats ready to beat up school children because they were black. Okay. Now this is worse. This, this is worse than what that was. This is Jim Crow 2.0 new and improved far fetched. I'd say so, but that's the messaging now. That's, that's what it is. They're saying that, um, and, and they use words, uh, Joe Biden uses phrases, uh, such as, you know, our democracy is under threat. Um, our, you know, uh, this is a turning point between authoritarianism and true democracy. Uh, this has been a talking point. You know, Nancy Pelosi says the same stuff about how this is a critical point in our democracy this next election. Well, it's like here, so one thing, uh, I don't know if y'all have heard about Operation Lone Star, where the National Guard has been activated down in Texas to help with border security. Yeah, I think I've heard part of it, yeah. Yeah, so now people are getting really mad about, and I pull up the article, but, you know, issues. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, people are getting mad saying that, you know, the armed forces will never activate within the United States in any uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'm starting to get concerned about that, apparently. Well, no, I've, I heard some other story today about um, there's some military exercise going on that's like talking about guerrilla warfare and overthrowing a tyrannical government or overthrowing a illegitimate government. And people are getting really up in arms about that and saying, well, this is the the military training to come in and uh, kill American citizens who disagree with an election or whatever. No, I'm sorry. I'm not going to entertain that because that exercise has been happening for 60 freaking years and no one has ever said anything about it until now. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty dang convenient. It's kind of scary. It makes good headlines, but it's not worth it. Um, but anyway, I'm sorry. Let me step back into um, Joe Biden and what they were saying. You know, these they're, they're having existential language. They're saying, they're saying things like this is the last chance we have to prevent authoritarian takeover in the United States. I mean, and you know what I hate the most? You know what I hate What's most, that? Chris? I hate this the most. I hate this being called a democracy. That's wrong. Not the correct term. The United States, we're not a democracy. What would you term it? We are a constitutional republic. A representative type of democracy. It's a type of democracy, but calling it a democracy is wrong. Um, a, in a democracy, I, you know, this is the the great democracy, right? This is where people, all people, vote on all issues, right? They vote on laws. It's it's a it's a popular vote system. Now, this is what the Democrats would love that we were. You know, we we they would love if if we were a democracy and the president was elected by popular vote, congressmen were elected by. Uh, in in certain instances, popular vote, you know, and and all laws would just be ruled by majority, ruled by the masses, right? Because then, of course, they could get everything they want done. That's not how we work. For good reason, we're a representative democracy. We work in many different ways to make sure that decision, good decisions are made, not by mob rule, but by educated people who we elect to make those decisions for us. So that's what the Electoral College is, obviously. That's what um, 
our representatives in Congress and in our in our state representation is. Um, we're not electing, voting on laws directly. We're we're essentially voting people in who are smarter than us. And you know, obviously not all the time, but the idea is they're more educated in those things, so they can make those decisions. We're taking the best of our society. That's what we would hope to do, and putting them up and saying, "Guide us," right? Yeah, that's a representative, or a, excuse me, that is a constitutional republic, and. The Democrats have been using this democracy message ever since the 2016 election, uh, probably further, but this is when I started noticing it. And it's kind of scary to me because it is misleading everyone because we don't want democracy. Democracy does not work in a direct form. Maybe for small countries, very small states, right? Democracy works at a town and local level, but on a grand scale, it's mob rule, and that does not work. Mob rule is, well, what do you know about, you know, mob mentality, Chris? You know, maybe you could tell us some about that. Are you educated a little bit on that kind of thing? I mean, I, I know, you know, what it is and how it works. Right, exactly. So it's kind of, everyone sees, you know, one thing. They hear people chanting for all, all this one thing. and It's really easy to join in and say, yes, that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. We need to go burn that barricade. We need to go, you know, smash that car. Sure. When normally that Which is person, what happens at protests lately. Right, and normally— People wouldn't do such a thing because that's their their better senses would be like, and that's probably not a good idea. It's easier to do a bunch of stuff when everyone's jumping in, right? When you're when you're following them off the cliff. Well, that n- not meant to segue so you know gracefully with falling off a cliff, but that's exactly what would happen if we were a direct democracy. So this whole messaging behind what they're doing, they're saying our democracy is under threat. You know, American democracy is threatened. This existential talk is terrifying to me because that's not what it is. This is not this is a this is a flow of power. This political pendulum that we've been existing in for hundreds of years, back and forth, back and forth, right? That it we're swinging back to the right now. And they're going to call it that it it's this is the end of the United States because they're swinging back to the right. They I don't understand. Like why? Why are we using this kind of rhetoric? This this dangerous rhetoric? Could you do you think, Chris, that it might have to do with the attention span of the United States in general? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it does, and people are so. I think the majority of people are just so worn out over any kind of politics, um, because COVID has been so highly politicized. And politics have been used to cover up things. I think people are just tired of hearing any kind of news. Or understanding what's going on, I think your average person now has lost interest in politics. And you know, I kind of hope so because you know this is something before I would not say, but I hope that people notice the issues in their everyday life that affect them the most, and will look past stupid political ideology. And I'll say that for the right as well, and say, you know what? Yeah, I support this cause, but um. Uh, it costs me twenty dollars more at the pump, or yeah, I support this cause, but um, I can't sit down at a restaurant and have decent service because there's nobody working, or you know I can't um, go to the store and buy what I want because it's all out of stock, or I can't buy a computer part because they're all out of stock. Inflation has risen higher this year than raises. People are paying more to live their lives than they did last year. 
than they did the year before. Doesn't matter if you got raises. Unless you got, you know, a I guess what would it be? Almost a 10% raise since the beginning of the Biden presidency, you're losing money. Sorry. That's what that's what's happened. It's time to change something. We're not going in the right direction in my opinion. Obviously this is a multiple opinion show. So feel free to pipe up if you disagree, but I think we're going in the wrong direction. And I hope that listening to this, you might have uh, possibly agreed and see that we have something else that we need to vote in. You know what? Forget Republican, Democrat. Let's vote in populists, people that are concerned with everyday life, people like us, people like, uh, you know, the, 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 the trucker that decided he was going to run as a Republican and won a, a six-year Democrat seat. I forget what state he was in because because he simply ran on, you know what? I think he ran on like $100 and, and won against some dude that had a, like over a million dollars in, in advertising budget. I mean, that alone shows people are tired of the establishment kind of politics where Absolutely. people go up. Also, I heard this the other day, and I know I can carry on. I know we're running out of time, but... Did you know that uh, in um, in the whole pandemic, right, I guess 2019, 2020 year, uh, fiscal year, uh, the economy did terrible, right? We all know that, right? Do you know how well the the average um, congressional um, investment portfolio did? Oh, it probably did spectacularly. Oh, they they uh, they on average it was like fifteen percent. Uh, and I'll say this: I've got a Roth IRA which skyrocketed during COVID. I mean, investments did really well in COVID. Yeah, you mean at the beginning, like where everything dropped? Yeah, my inv- it it very very took a very small hit, but it it is just during COVID now is like is gone up. It's been in a pot. Obviously, when the big news things come out, it dips just a, right. a hair. But overall, during COVID, my investments in my Roth RA is the only investment I have. But that's you know that's done that's performed very well. So I can understand how what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, and this is the statistic I heard. And obviously, we could if we want to look up your Roth IRA to see the percentages, I'd be curious. But um, in general, the people in Congress, their portfolios outperformed the market um, by a large margin. And you have to wonder, these people are making the laws that affect those market changes. Don't you think they have a little bit of unfair information? Well, maybe going if on? they're invested in healthcare and drug pharmaceuticals, you know, maybe that's how they've done so well. Or what about union companies where they just passed a in in the Build Back Better plan, they basically said, uh, we're only going to provide tax credits to automakers who are unionized. I would want to if I knew that was coming down the pipe and that was going to that was guaranteed to pass. Well, I sure would have invested in GM and Ford and all kinds of other things. Right. You know, they get to push the ideas and they get to push the financial decisions that might benefit their portfolio. I don't know. I kind of I think it would be a lot more fair if um, these uh, the people that are in the national the federal government, maybe they shouldn't be allowed to trade on the stock market. I don't know. I just that's a thought. Maybe. I mean, they're certainly doing very well when a lot of people, and we talk about how many people are, you know, on unemployment and, and doing well with COVID. There's a lot of people who are not doing well for COVID. Yeah. There are people that have lost their jobs and homes for COVID um, that are that are good people, and those people are not doing well. No, you know? no, they're not. The people that have elected them have done very well. And the, uh, the companies that provide all these uh, COVID remedies and stuff like that, they're doing fantastically. Um, and, you know, uh, the... 
I think it's quite suspicious that it is they're trying to require everyone get get a certain product from a certain set of companies. And that just sounds super crony to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't know how many companies, you know, how, how much competition there are with these companies, but probably not a lot. I mean, there's mm. there's only a few Three companies that make vaccines. There's only a few companies that make at-home tests that are actually worthwhile. I know um, I've said a lot of studies that Omicron is only detectable by like two or three of the major take-home tests. Mm. So you've still got people flocking to stores and, you know, buying out shelves of tests that aren't really even valid. But those yep. companies are getting a lot of benefit from it, and they're not going out and saying, "Well, you know, sure, buy our stuff." It's not going to tell you if you really have Omicron or not. But, uh, but there's not a, there's not a lot of people in the market, um, you know, big pharma. But the amount of players though that have also I find fascinating have profited over COVID. I've seen so many companies. In fact, a camera company that that I use and buy little you know cheap cameras from around the house or whatnot. During COVID, started selling thermometers, started selling masks and things of that nature. And they bought up, I don't know how many, hundreds of thousands of these, I'm sure, and warehoused them and, and sold them. So many people are allowed to, like, sell masks and gloves and, yeah. and all that stuff. They're trying to profit on it. But, you know, the reality is they're they're selling $10, you know, Chinese-made thermometers, which really aren't accurate anyway. Yeah. You know, they're not selling true N95 masks. They're just... They're using that to make a profit. Yep, you're right. And, you know, I, I hate this this whole situation that we're in where, you know, there's not really that much that can be done because there's not really anyone in government right now that cares enough to do anything about it. Uh, and this is just like the term limits issue. I'm, I'm, I like the idea of congressional term limits, but Congress is never going to pass that. Because well, they're going to vote themselves out. Exactly. No. So, uh, I don't know. Tough situation we're in. You know, it's it's gonna take it's gonna take this upcoming generation. If you're listening to us and you're a younger person, Grant, um, it's gonna take you, younger people, to actually care about politics. Put all this aside. I know it's been a rough couple of years, but you need to care. You need to run for offices. Start yep. at your local your local community and work your way up because it's gonna take we are leaving our world to the younger generation now. And we either leave it to them in bad shape or we leave them enough knowledge to fix it. And the way they're going to fix that is get elected to these offices, get in, you know, take the passion that you've got on Facebook. You know, you're, you're all, I see all these young people on Facebook with all these great opinions and stuff. Take that to the White House. Yep. Take that to the halls of Congress and become, you know, become a politician, but do it the way that you're saying that our current politicians should act. Absolutely. And, you know, the big thing is, we need more people that ha have experienced what life is like. A lot of these people in Congress, they they had a silver spoon in their mouth ever since they, they started. Now, I'm not saying that's every single one of them, but we need people that have lived the way that we live our lives. The everyday people live their lives to go up there and represent everyday people. Um, you know, even, even, you know, our representatives in, in Congress and now, you know, for Marsha Blackburn, I, you know, I like some of the stuff that she does, but the reality is she's been a career politician for a long time, you know, and, and she's, she's lost touch, lost touch with what we are in, in, in Tennessee. Uh, she doesn't have to deal with paycheck to paycheck. She doesn't have to deal with, um, with the, uh, the rising inflation. It doesn't really hit her as bad as it does. Everyday Tennesseans. Sure. She's never had to worry. Is she going to have enough money to get groceries or pay the electric bill? Nope. If you're living in a million-dollar McMansion and 
you know, you're you're in Congress, you've really not understood the people that elected you. And, and I'm not saying everybody is, you know, poor and suffering, but the majority of people in this country right now are struggling in some way, shape, or form, either mentally, financially, physically. And unless you really understand their struggles, you can't represent them. Congress has become a beast because, you know, we talk about whenever someone says, oh, I served in Congress. Okay. Do you realize why it used to be service? It used to be these people didn't get paid hardly anything. They got paid enough to ride up there on their carriage or catch a train to go to Congress when it was time to go and have a session. Then they stayed up there away from their families for months to get things done. Okay, that was service in Congress. You know what Congress is now? It's a bunch of companies paying you to vote a certain way. That's lobbyism. To vote a certain way on some bill that's going to benefit that company. It's not voting your conscience anymore. It's voting with your party, with what your party says, oh, we're going to vote on this. We're going to vote this on this. And I, I, we were running out of time. I wasn't going to bring this up because we've been going long. We always go long. I was about to say, there's but, one thing that I had someone say to me that I've thought about very much that will kind of sum this up is that there's really only two good ways to get through life as an adult. Be lower class or be upper class. Don't be middle class because middle class is always who ended up paying for upper and lower. Uh, that's a good point. Because um, if you're middle class, you don't get the benefits of lower class. If you're upper class, you don't need the benefits of lower class. If you're middle class, you're just kind of. I'm pretty content yeah. where I am, and I guess I'm middle class. But yeah, anyway. Now I I will say this because I I know what I, what I was saying was I wasn't I was not going to bring this up because we're running long time, and I know Chris is getting antsy. I'm actually standing up now because my butt was hurting from sitting in a seat for so long. I was about to say. Um, but no, no, not, I'm not standing because I'm excited, Chris. Just so you know, but I am using my hands more. Um, now, <laughs> just don't punch me. Exactly. I'll try not to. Uh, I might just do it anyway, though, because I yeah. mean, I get I'm getting I'm still the intern and all, but like, geez, you ain't gonna beat okay. me over. I have yeah. I haven't made fun of you enough in a while, so maybe I'll just physically harm you now. Um, okay, so <laughs> catch up, Marjorie Taylor Greene. You guys know about Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, we've had several conversations about Marjorie Taylor Greene on this uh, podcast, um, and I have gotten in this for this. I've never not really been sure about her. She's kind of been kind of funny because she's kind of like the rebel that makes everybody mad. Um, but it turns out. That um, when she now she's not a career politician. I really don't think. I think she was just working a regular job and decided to run. And now she's in Congress, right? She doesn't have anything like these other politicians had. They she didn't come from a mayoral position, then move up to a gubernatorial position, then move up to a Congress position. That wasn't like how Marjorie Taylor Greene ran. Well, it turns out um, she was on a podcast. I think it was either Tim Pool or Joe Rogan. She was on a podcast with them. And she described how it was when she first got into Congress. Um, she went into her office. She hadn't really picked up much staff yet. First of all, and I'll tell you about the staff thing. The people that are on staff, on congressional staff, right? These people live in D.C., most of them. It is the same people through every different administration their whole life. That's what, that's what these people do, congressional staff. It's a, they'll go Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter. These these people up there that work in the White House, they're usually the same people across administration. They're the unelected people that are hired because they know how to do their job, I suppose, right? They know how to be a White House staffer because they've always been a White House staffer, and that's what they do. Kind of an interesting thought. I won't go into that as much as this other thing. Um, so she heard that 
Congress was in session, right? She says, oh, I'm a congressman now. I'm a representative. I'm going to go down to the, to the chamber. She goes down to the chamber. There's, there's six Democrats and four Republicans. And they, they're, they're sitting there doing, they're doing I, or they're I and nay votes, right? And she's like, what the heck's going on? And they're, they're looking at her confused, like, why is she there? She's not supposed to be there at that time. Well, turns out in Congress, basically what they do is they get six, I'm guessing, freshmen congressmen, Congress people, and six or four other Congress people from the minority, six from the majority, obviously. And they're the ones that have to sit there and vote for stuff. The, the minority stuff, right? The non, the not really big stuff, right? And so they're sitting there passing laws. Boom, boom, boom. Yay, nay, yay, nay, yay, nay. And eventually she figures out, how do I get people in here? How do I get an actual everyone to come in here and put a vote on record? She figures out she has to call for a roll call. Well, she did that on one of these. It made everybody mad. She pissed off the Republicans. She pissed off the Democrats because guess what? They all had to come from their golf games or their vacations that they're on, fly into D.C. and do their actual freaking job and go and vote for something, right? So they were mad not just because they had to go there, but because they had to put their name on it. You know, one of the things that she did this a lot, this is why she's so hated in Congress, right? She did this quite a bit. You know, one of the things that did not pass, and and I don't know, people that are following politics and conservatives will make, you know, this will mean more to you. H.R. 1 was going was slated to pass in this way. Six Democrats, four Republicans, right? This big bill that was sweeping legislation, did election reform. It was setting up $15 an hour minimum wage. Minimum wage. It was doing path to citizenship for all the illegal immigrants that have come over during this administration. All kinds of crazy stuff that Republicans or conservatives don't like and that I think are bad for the country. Well, she called a roll call on that. Guess what? It failed. Something like 20 Democrats did not want their name on it because they didn't didn't think they were going to get reelected in their in their um, state if it passed. So they voted no. Turns out we don't have just a deadlock, you know, government system of government. Turns out people actually if they're required to put their name on a bill what they, when they, when they vote for it, they may vote away from their party because they don't want some of those things on their name. That's how it's supposed to run, Chris. Grant, it's supposed to run like that. In my opinion, did you just break your thumb or something? No, I cramped up in my... Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I'm good. Anyway, Not but really, you but... you get what I'm saying. I, we want people up there that are like Marjorie Taylor Greene in a way that they're green. They don't know anything. They don't have any you know capitalist, crazy, super crony connections. That can make people stop and ask questions. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And enforce those congressmen that have been up there for so long, congressmen and women to go and put their name on some of this crap that's being passed. Because if it's just a yay-nay vote, they did they just sit there and say, okay, it's passed, right? Someone has to call for a roll call in order to put names on it. Ridiculous to me. I mean, it should be that they're, they're there in Congress. Everybody's got to be there, or they got to have a quorum. You know, like over 50% of the members need to be there and put names on stuff. It, it shouldn't have to be that way. If you're in Congress and it's in session, you should be in session because that's yeah, what your so job too. is. It's what they're being paid to do. Yeah, but no, apparently not. That, well, that's the problem. 
they make the rules that they, they have to abide by. That's what's going on. And that's what's been going on for a very long time. So, oh, gosh. Oh, I'm about to pass out now. I was about to say, we've been here a minute. He's he's stood up and passed out, but you know, we got a lot out this episode, so um, it's it's a good welcome back. It's been a, we've been on a little break, so uh, welcome back. Happy, happy 2022. Yep, I hope everybody has had a great couple of weeks, a good, uh, what, 12 days into 2022. I hope it's going well for everyone. Yeah, on the 12th. Tw- <laughs> You got me thinking 12 days of Christmas when 12, you said that. Yeah, 12 oh, days Lord. after Christmas. Yeah, 12 days after Christmas. Yeah, so thank you for sticking in. Thank you thank you for tuning in. I know this has been a long episode, but we get stuff out. Um, make sure to visit our website, stillloveyourbro.com. Um, Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, whatever, all the different ones. We don't have Twitter. All the socials. Uh, we, we have some. Uh, Instagram. Knows? We have Instagram we, that we we've, forgot about. We've settled that we had an Instagram. I think that's been a common, common mention every time. Yep. Um, and uh, obviously we have emails. You know, I've got Jess, J-E-S-S-E, at still love ya with a Y-A, bro, uh, dot com. Chris has one as well. Yep, Chris at stillloveyabro.com. We don't, we don't care that much about Grant, so he doesn't have an email. I don't um, have an email. No. Sorry. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, if you'd like to comment on the show um, or if you actually made it through my meticulous rants this time... <laughs> Please leave a uh, shoot an email at us or leave a review on the Apple Podcast if you like. Actually, learned you can leave a review on Spotify Podcast. You can now. Yeah, you can oh, leave a review know? on Spotify Podcast. I did not know that. Leave know. us a review on Spotify Podcast. I hope you podcast. My little brother did. Good. Oh, I have to go read his review. Yeah, Is I don't know it? how to get to it, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure that out. So, but email us if you've got a comment or a question or concern about anything on the show. You're welcome to email. We will. Read it anonymously. We'll read it with your name, or if you want to come sit down at this table and, and discuss it with us, uh, you're more than welcome. Yeah, we, we'd love to have an, any guest that would like to jump in and uh, throw their throw their opinion on the table yep. because that's what this show is about. So it's about opinions on the table. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for sticking in. Um, have a great week, and, and we'll see you soon. Be kind, everyone. I thought you were going to say goodbye. I guess that's it. You're not even going to say bye. I was going to. I was going to say something after Jess said something, but. I was going to say goodbye in a different language.